The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. Do you find that that's an essential ingredient to uh, life usefulness? Absolutely. You know? If you're not useful, what, what kind of feeling are you going to have? See, for me, it's so critical for a lot of other people. They don't care about being useful. They care about grabbing as much as they can for themselves. That's why I say I agree with the culture of you. My view is I want to be useful. I want to give as much as I can. That was the voice of Maury Schwartz, who was the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury. And we welcome you to this Tuesday People podcast. I am Mitch Album, the author of Tuesdays with Maury and the host of this podcast. And we're glad to have you joining us this Tuesday. Alongside, as always, is my friend and producer, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Tuesday greetings, Mitch and everybody. The topic for today, and each week we take a different topic and sort of break it down and examine it, which is much the case of what I did with my old college professor, Maury Schwartz, during his final months when he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. And perhaps, as you may have insinuated by the cut that we played you there, uh, we're talking about something that I find that people don't talk about enough when they talk about their happiness. And they talk about meaning in life. They talk about finding that sense of contentment. They find and talk about finding love. They talk about finding the right companion, They the passion in their work, the passion in their life. Uh, the exultation, the excitement, the millions of things that people search for in trying to find a happy life. The list is extremely long and one that rarely finds its way onto that list when people are saying it out loud. And yet I have witnessed and believe is at the very core of people having a happy and satisfied existence. And what is that characteristic? usefulness, usefulness, Hmm. feeling useful. Let me tell you about how Maury Schwartz found that to be his salve in his particular case. Here was a 75, six-year-old professor who had had a very good life as a learned professor there at Brandeis University and suddenly finds that his body is betraying him, suddenly finds that he can't walk the same way he used to, that he's falling down, that he's slipping, that he's tripping, that his arms are shaking, that he can't hold on to things. He goes to the doctors who examine him for months, and eventually the sad news comes that he has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Lou Gehrig's disease is a terrible affliction, a motor neuron disease that basically 
snips the connection between your brain and all the extremities that you have and the rest of your body. And eventually, when those connections sort of frizz, you can no longer be useful, right? You can no longer use your hands, no longer use your feet, eventually no Mm -hmm. longer use your voice. You can see, but you need someone to turn your head from side to side just so that you can see. Suddenly, you can't eat anymore without help. Suddenly, you can't go to the bathroom anymore without help. It is literally like watching your body revert back to an infant stage. In fact, in many cases, even worse than infancy, because even an infant can move its arms and legs, right? It can respond. If you put your finger inside an infant's little hand, it will curl its fingers around yours, right? Imagine not even being able to do that, not even being able to respond to stimulus. By the time Maury's disease kicked all the way in, from a physical standpoint, his usefulness had dropped down to zero. You couldn't say to Maury, here, hold this for a second. Couldn't do it. Right. Maury, can you look something up on this paper? Couldn't do it. Right. Maury, can you type in something? Can't do it. Usefulness totally gone. Now, what did Maury do when he found out that this was going to be his fate? Well, at the pinnacle crossroad moment for him, he had to decide, was he just going to give up on himself? Was he just going to be miserable, angry, bitter? Why did this happen to me? Why did I get stuck with this terrible fate and then count the days down to his death? Or could he find some good in this terrible bad that had been dealt to him? And he chose that. Mm -hmm. And by choosing to do that, what he sought out, Lisa, was how can I be useful? Now, you would think in a moment like that, you'd think like, How can someone make me feel better? What drug can somebody give me that I don't have to endure this? How can I get people to feel sorry for me so that I can at least get through every day because people will be saying, well, we'll do this for you. We'll help you with this. That was not Maury's approach. That did not strike him as something that would make him feel better. What would make him feel better was becoming useful in some way. That was his way out of the worst unhappiness that had been laid in front of him in his entire life. And for many of us, what would be the worst thing that would happen to any of us, right? Yeah. So he said, how can I be useful? And what he determined was, I can't carry the garbage. Right. I can't help my wife make dinner. I'm definitely not making the bed. Right. How can I be useful? And he determined he could be useful by being a teacher about life Ah. Mm -hmm. and what he was learning about life now that he was dying. That was something that he had to offer that an able-bodied person without ALS did not. So he found a usefulness in his disease, and in finding a usefulness, he found a life raft. And he was able to float that life raft not only out of despair, anger, bitterness, but actually to what he would end up calling the most productive, 
beautiful part of his life, even though it was the saddest. Right. And not just with you, correct? Like not just right. with you as the student. I think you've said in the past that he had several people that would come over Multiple. during this time and people would sit in the room. They would talk to him. They'd open the door. They'd be crying because <laughs> Maury, Maury talked about their lives and stuff like that. And then they would leave enlightened. So right. it was to everybody who stopped by at that time. Early on, before the disease robbed him of his total ability uh, to you know, move or get about, he went mm -hmm. to Brandeis University where he taught and he had his last official class and he began it by announcing to the class, listen, I want you to know the score of this class. There's a chance I won't be here to finish mm -hmm. it. I may die before this class is over. That's the risk that you take by taking this class. If you still want to take it, I'm here. I'm going to teach it as long as I can. Wow. Meanwhile, I will offer you as compensation <laughs> sort of way, <laughs> be my usefulness. I will offer you the things that I am learning, my insight about dying. And if you're interested in that, we can talk about that. That's how I can wow. perhaps be useful to you. Right. And by doing wow. this, he maintained a sense of purpose. And I can tell you that as the disease got worse and as his already extremely limited uh, possibilities shrunk down to even mm -hmm. fewer and fewer and fewer things that he could do, talking to me, visiting with me on Tuesday, sharing his life story and his lessons with me that I would write down and, and, and one day would put in a book became more and more important to him. And even mm -hmm. if he had bad days on Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Sundays and Saturdays, he would always seem to rally on Tuesdays because, as he would tell me and his wife would later tell me, he had a purpose on Tuesdays. He needed to share with me right. his views on life. For me, a wayward student, to have a better life, and for him to help get this book down on paper, give me enough information that I could write something that would, would, would last beyond his mortal frame. He had a purpose. He had usefulness. And did when you were talking with him at the point when he knew this was going to be a book, I imagine he was very excited about his words getting out there into a bigger audience. Was he yeah. not? Oh, absolutely. Although that didn't happen until the last few weeks of his life because I didn't tell him that wow. we were going to do a book until then. But then he became very, very determined to, you know, yes, please, I want this out there. There's a purpose. There's a usefulness. And it wasn't for mm -hmm. ego because he was never going to see it published. Right. Right? It wasn't so that he would get interviewed because he was never going to be interviewed right. when the right. book came out. He wasn't going to be here. It wasn't for the sale of it or for the money of it or anything like that. No, there would be no benefit coming his way. It was for a sense of purpose, for a sense of usefulness. So wow. what does this mean? Now, I just told you and spent some time talking about how it worked with Maury. But now I want you to think in your, in your own lives. Uh, children. All right, let's go the opposite of a 78-year-old dying professor. Let's go to children. Children are acting up. They're being rambunctious. Maybe it's a five, six-year-old, seven-year-old. Being rambunctious, not listening, anything that's going on. They want to this, that. Why can't they just stop playing, stop making so much noise, stop throwing those things around? Stop. 
then somehow you find the time and you say, listen, I want you to do something for me. You say this to a child. You see these, these blocks here. I need them to be stacked up over there. And I need these knives and these forks to be put in a pile over here and over there. And amazingly, many times, children will lose that rambunctiousness, will lose that wandering, will lose that, that aimlessness that's wandering, and they'll get totally focused on mm-hmm. a task <laughs> because yeah. they are being asked to be useful. Yes, as you know, Lisa, we have an, an orphanage uh, that I operate, have operated for the last 10 years in Haiti. And when we first went down there, we took uh, about 23 guys from here in Michigan. Uh, they would call themselves the Detroit Muscle Crew. And they went down and mm-hmm. helped rebuild this orphanage, the first toilets and showers and real kitchen and dining room and uh, schoolhouse and everything like that. Now, there were so many interesting levels of usefulness here. It was 2010. 2010 here in Detroit, there were a lot of people who were out of work, a lot of craftsmen who didn't have a lot of work. And this was the dead of winter. This was in January. And I put the call out to anybody who wanted to help a plumber, a roofer, a contractor, electrician. And I got lots of responses, including from people who really weren't working that much. Now, isn't that interesting? When you're not working that much, you would think, well, why am I going to answer a call to go do free work in Haiti? Right. Right. But, you know, when you don't have work of your own, you're not bringing in money, you're starting to feel a little aimless, purposeless, unhappy, depressed. And all of a sudden, here's a chance at usefulness. And I had more people than I could handle. More people than I could handle who wanted to volunteer. We did. We had to turn people away. We ended up taking 23 people down and they worked day in, night, day, night, day, night, no breaks, in 100 degree heat. And they did it with a smile and laugh and camaraderie. They slept in sleeping bags out in the heat, one body next to the other, next to the other, you know, fighting off the mosquitoes. But there was such an esprit de corps because there was a usefulness. There was a purpose. These children needed shelter. They had a usefulness. Some of these guys who didn't have work back home had the most important work here. And nobody asked about paychecks and nobody asked about money. They felt useful. Now, that was one level, the adults. The kids, they saw these strange foreigners coming in with with uh, planks, two-by-fours, hammers, nails. What is the first thing that all these kids did? They came over and said, can I help? Can I help? Right. Can I help? <laughs> now, That's got to be fun for kids. <laughs> well, it, but it wasn't just fun because fun kids could have without us. Right. What had happened was these children had had no school because obviously since the earthquake, all the schools were closed. Mm-hmm. They had lost whatever communities they might have come from were gone. They had been sort of not trapped, but I'm sure they felt a little sort of trapped inside this rectangular orphanage. And you can't really mm-hmm. go outside in the streets. The streets were dangerous and a lot of there's rubble everywhere and there were bodies still out there. So they were kind of stuck inside. And they didn't really have much to do. 
and they weren't very happy, and they were certainly hungry and thirsty, but all of a sudden, here comes work, and what galvanized them, what made them smile? A chance to be useful. So at first, we started with small things, okay? Um, Here, you could, you know, take this bag and take that over to the trash, Okay, you know, that's what we come up with. Here's the bag. Go put it in that trash can. And the kid would take the bag and go running, put it in the trash can, come running right, right back. What else? Right. All right. Well, so here, take a little uh, dustpan and try to put these, use this thing. This is called a broom and push it into the thing. Okay, did that. And Lisa, I tell you, these kids worked 10 hours straight and kept asking for something else to do. And I saw wow. the joy that being useful gave them in a world where they felt powerless to do anything to control their own happiness. Right. So think about that. Now I've just given you examples of an old dying man, young, healthy men who perhaps didn't have the work or the income that they wanted, and young Haitian children who have no connection to either one of those two categories. Yet all three of those examples found an antidote to a tough life circumstance, in Maury's case, this death illness, mm-hmm. in the Detroit Muscle Cruise case, unemployment, the case of children, a, a despairing, horrific landscape that didn't offer them many options. Mm-hmm. All three of them found a sense of happiness in becoming useful, becoming mm-hmm. useful. So I can't tell you how many times now that I'll go out and speak. And currently, I'm I'm on a book tour for Finding Chica, my newest book, which is about you know a Haitian orphan who we adopted as our little girl. And when I go and I talk around the country about the orphanage in Haiti, you would not believe how many people come up to me afterwards and say, you know, I've been I've just been looking to like do something. It matters, you know, right. to help. can I come help? They asked me, can I come help? I said, well, what would you like to do? I'll do anything that you need me to do. I'll, 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 I'll clean up. Can you cook? Not really, right. but uh, I'll <laughs> clean up. Uh, well, we have some people to clean up. What else could you do? I, I could, uh, you know, I'm not much of a builder, but I could, I could, I could hammer a nail. Do you need me to hammer a nail? Now, these are people who have jobs. These are people in many cases who have good jobs. These are people in many cases who are quite comfortable, but they are searching for some sense of purpose and usefulness. Something, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, their work is not giving them that sense of usefulness. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's giving them a paycheck. Maybe they're putting in their time, you know, and okay, they're putting the time, they get the pay, the pay pays for the food and the, the rent and the car and all the rest of it, but it doesn't make them feel useful. And here they hear me talk about this orphanage where obviously we have a lot of need. And they say, how can I help you? You know, they're hungering, hungering to do something that makes them feel useful. There's a great lesson there. There really is. There sure is. Ralph Waldo Emerson said the key to life is not happiness, but usefulness. Being useful in several other things. And he was pretty smart. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny because now that you're saying this, the whole time I've been trying to think of what am I useful at (laughs) right now, currently. 
I, I I can't think of anything. Like I don't feel I'm of use, and and that sort of bums me out. Well, is that out. a source of frustration for you? Uh yeah. I you know, but I mean, because I'm you know I work right, and as you said, that's that's not being useful at all. Mm. You know, I mean, I maybe my you know the company thinks I'm of use to them, but it's not the kind of use that you know you're right. speaking of. Right. And I wish I could have more time to volunteer, but my days are loaded. Your, your days are packed with. Not being useful for a company. Not being useful. But <laughs> trying well, to so you're, you're keep ex- a roof over my head. You're expressing a dilemma that a lot of people have. It's like, well, I, I'd like to be more useful, but how do I find time to do that? Well, let me suggest that it doesn't always have to be as formal as, um, you know, going to a foreign country and putting in days or weeks or months at an orphanage. Uh, for example, you can be useful by being a sounding board for people on the phone. All right, think about the people in your in your life. Are there not people who mm-hmm. need to vent a little bit or need to help? Now, ask yourself, when those people call, do you tend to not pick up the phone? Do you tend <laughs> to say, oh, I can't get involved with that. If you do pick up the phone and say, hi, I'm just running out the door, just picked it up to say hi, uh, Yes. Or do you just basically? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes you do that, but th- I can think of a couple people in my life right now that I know I should be talking to. Well, you could be you know? useful just by yeah. being a sounding board. You don't have to yeah. make anything, hammer anything, travel anywhere. You can be a, a useful. And you know what? When they say thank you for spending some time and listening to me, you will feel good about yourself. You will feel right. that you were useful. Even simple tasks around the house. You know, if, you, if you're, you're married or with your kids and you, you see that one of them, your spouse or your, your kid could use some help organizing something, they never have time to do it, surprise them. Go in and organize their, their photos. Go in and clean up their bookshelves. Go to, there's that sense of like when you finish a task and there, it needed to be done, that there was a purpose to it, a usefulness to it. Right. I was reading a piece on usefulness uh, just before we started that was mentioning that when we dig up things, artifacts from, you know, a long time ago that we find fossils and things like that, they're not the equivalent of like Game Boys. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're arrowheads, they're spoons, they're tools, there's, Mm -hmm. they're useful things. Right. When we, so many years ago and our, you know, our, our ancestors, they didn't have all this leisure time. So what they did with their time was practical and was useful. And the tools that they made were useful tools. The idea of an Xbox mm-hmm. to them just would have blown their mind. Right. Like, <laughs> you're going to put all that time into something and the purpose is that you have a controller and another guy has a controller and you kill each other? We can do that right now. (laughs) Look, watch me with this rock. I'll go kill that guy over there. I don't need to spend all that time building something so I can fake kill somebody. So the things that we find, it's true, the artifacts that we find, they're they're useful things. They're they're knives or blades or or flint, uh, flints, you know, to make fire or they're, they're practical. They're useful, right? So usefulness was part of who we were born to be. And usefulness right. is part of who we should be now. And so 
It's not a popular one. It's not often spoken about. You don't hear it mentioned in the same sentences as love and passion and and uh, commitment and all those things. But usefulness, finding a usefulness in your life will pull you out of many a funk, many a depression. If it could take a 78-year-old Maury who couldn't do anything else and could provide him a sense of purpose that he could feel at the end of the day, I did something, I was useful, I listened, I taught, I exchanged ideas, my day mattered. If it could do it mm. for him with ALS, it can most certainly do it for you. So That's true. So I'm going to start listening more. I'm going to call a friend tonight, and I'm going to listen to them. There you go. That's a start. There you go. Then one day I'll go to the orphanage with you. <laughs> and listen and to I the will, kids there. <laughs> I will listen to the kids. Okay. <laughs> and I'll let them climb all over me, and I will read them books. All right. <laughs> Well, so there's I can't our, build a roof. There's our that's all right. The <laughs> roofs are okay for the moment. Okay, there's good. our suggestion uh, for this Tuesday and how you can have a a better, deeper, more satisfying, meaningful life. As simple as something as just being useful. Think of yourself as that artifact that we dig up and say, you know, am I spooning something? Am I flattening something? Am I sharpening something? Am I shaping something? Am I feeding something? Be be useful in some way to somebody, and you will find uh, that you have done a great useful thing for yourself and made yourself feel better. Listen to what Maury had to say on this particular topic. If you're looking to the past for your satisfactions, it means your present isn't very satisfying. Is that why the communication to me? So how can people fix that? Well, find meaning in your present moment. Do the kinds of things that come from the heart. An open, giving, loving heart. When you do that, you're not dissatisfied. You're overwhelmed with gratitude, which is what I find now. So you can see how this relates to what we're talking about here and a purpose and usefulness and how it gave Maury significance and how he learned that along the way with his illness. We hope that was of some interest and some help to you. Uh, we'll be back again next Tuesday with another edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. Lisa, you can insert anything you like here. Okay. Well, okay. you know, we have our Facebook group that we were very active there. It's uh, at We Tuesday People. By the way, that's across all of our social media inter- uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You know, we share clips from our show there. We have discussions. It's kind of a nice place. I like it there. We Tuesday people. And we'll be back again uh, next Tuesday with another lesson inspired by the lessons I learned 25 years ago alongside my old professor. Until we see you then, on behalf of Lisa Goitz, this is Mitch Album saying, until next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.